0: Welcome to the Eric
1: Erickson Show Podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. It is Eric Erickson here, the second hour of three hours of the Eric Erickson Show. Stick around for all of them. If you miss them, text the word SHOW to 33777. Subscribe to the podcast of the show. We break up each hour as a standalone um, podcast bit for you. Uh, Those of you on the phones, be patient with me. And in fact, I, I think what I'm about to talk about is relevant to some of your phone calls. But I want to get to this before I get to phone calls. This is, I think, rather uh, important and rather significant uh, for David Leonhardt and the New York Times to talk about this. The New York Times did a survey. Uh, it was their Siena survey that actually um, was not fantastic news for the GOP. It actually showed a bit of a Biden rebound and showed, for example, um, let me get to the the... Generic congressional ballot um, showed the Democrats up two. It showed Joe Biden's job approval rating. Uh, He was down 11, still not great. But one of the things they did is they oversampled Hispanic voters because they wanted a sense of where Hispanic voters are in the country. So to oversample Hispanic voters, do you know how many they surveyed? This was a poll of 1,399 registered voters. So of the 1,399 nationwide registered voters, how many were Hispanic in the survey? About 522. It's not a good sample because of this. And it's something the media and Democrats have a real hard time processing. There's no such thing as an Hispanic voter. There's no such thing as a Latino voter. There are Americans who are of Hispanic or Latino descent. There are immigrants from Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, El Salvador, Panama, Venezuela, Colombia, Brazil, who are primarily Portuguese descent, Argentina, Chile, Bolivia, even native Spanish immigrants to the United States, Caribbean immigrants to the United States, they're Puerto Ricans, they're Cubans. It's really hard to say who is and is not Hispanic within that demographic pool because you're dealing with an ethnicity and a demographic that is widely diverse. The pollsters I've talked to, Democrat and Republican alike, say that uh, Mexican-Americans tend to lean to the Democrats. Cuban-Americans obviously lean Republican. Venezuela, Colombian, um, Argentinian, they tend to lean Republican because of socialism they're they're scared of socialism remember in 2020 as the democrats started talking openly about socialism you saw this massive decline within the hispanic population but the problem is there really isn't a hispanic population we talk about it generally and generically but specifically we're talking about people from numerous nations of different backgrounds of different nation histories who come here for different reasons but all with a common thread of seeking a better Life. So it's very hard to sample 522 Hispanic voters and get any meaningful data. David Leonhard, though, at the New York Times writes this Hispanic voters have moved to the right over the past several years. As a group, They still prefer Democrats, but the margin has narrowed significantly. In 2020, Joe Biden won the group by only 26 percentage points. And in this year's midterms, the Democratic lead is nearly identical to Biden's 2020 lead, according to the latest New York Times-Siena College poll, a sign that the shift has not just been a one-election flip. The problem for Democrats is that winning the Hispanic vote by only 26 points may not be enough for the party to accomplish its main goal. Quote, let's not forget that 2020 levels of Hispanic support were nearly catastrophic for Democrats, said Nate Cohen, the Times chief political analyst. It helped cost the party House seats in California, Florida, and Texas, and allowed Republicans to win statewide races comfortably in Florida and Texas. It nearly helped Trump win re-election. Democrats need to do better with the Hispanic voters to build solid congressional majorities. The party currently controls the Senate by only a single vote. Republicans are favored to take control of the House. The whole theory of Democrats really benefiting from demographic change rests on them winning the Hispanic vote by a wide margin, Nate Cohen says. Without a better showing, Democrats can't flip Florida or Texas even as they face a growing Republican threat in the Midwest because of the continuing drift of white voters. If you really want to understand Hispanic voters, you need to understand Roy Teixeira's theory that Hispanic voters, by and large, in this country, given their background, they identify as American, they don't identify as Hispanic, and they identify with the white working class. Remember, what was it, the, the, Trayvon Martin, um, George Zimmerman? It was really one of the first times you started hearing the media call Zimmerman, well, he was Hispanic, but he was a white Hispanic news to me i had no idea that we we broke down hispanic voters between races we got an ethnicity we got white hispanics we got black hispanics do we have hispanic hispanics i don't know asian Hispanics? i don't know we got the the racial breakdown we've got the ethnic breakdown now everything to be able to fit a media narrative and that's the problem with the whole thing hispanic voters do not fit a media narrative why because a hispanic voter is called something else American, mom, dad, son, daughter, doctor, lawyer, plumber, electrician, landscaper, preacher, human. You can't identify them by their ethnicity because there are pluralistic, diverse people from multiple nations, all of whom wanted to come here for a better life, some of whom are multiple generations here. And as Democratic friends of mine have told me over the years, the longer Hispanic family stays in the nation, more likely than not, particularly if they're in the middle class or they're uh, in the working class, non-college educated, they become Republican. In fact, some of the most conservative people in America are evangelical Hispanics. They don't go to a Catholic church they go to a charismatic evangelical church. You can't find the pulse of the Hispanic community by surveying 522 people who identify as Hispanic. A little more from David Leonhardt here. Nate Cohen tried to figure out which Hispanic voters were moving right by creating subgroups, people who said they had voted for a mix of Democrats and Republicans and they were planning to vote Republican this year. The subgroup made up 17% of Hispanic voters. More were registered as Democrats than Republicans, despite their voting. They were even more heavily skewed to the working class. 80% didn't have a bachelor degree. And the young, 60% under 45, were moving Republican. More than half were men, but also included many women. By a wide margin, people in the subgroup said the Democratic Party had moved too far left on social issues. By an even wider margin, they said economic issues like jobs, taxes, cost of living would influence their 2022 voting more than social issues like guns, abortion, and democracy. At root, Hispanic voters drifting to the right appear to be pocketbook voters focused more on their daily lives than divisive national debates. In other words, sounds just like a whole lot of Americans. We got to stop pigeonholing people by the color of their skin and their their ethnicity, including the pollsters. Hard to really tell from 522 people how a Hispanic community of diverse people and backgrounds is going to vote. But what we can tell you from the real world, not what the polls show, but what the voters themselves show, is there has been a shift to the right on economic and cultural issues. And not just in Texas and Florida. The border counties of Colorado, the southern counties that line down there by the state line, those Hispanic voters are shifting to the right as well. In Arizona and New Mexico, Southern California, Hispanic voters are shifting to the right. Latino voters, and Latino, Hispanic, depends on how you describe them, depending on where they are. In California and in New York, by and large, they go with Latino. Everywhere else in the country, they go with Hispanic. In New York, those voters have tended to lean to the Democratic Party over time. But in the South, they've tended to move to the GOP. There's a lot more to do with the people they're around and the cultures they embrace than their background ethnicity. And the Democrats not understanding this and wanting to lump everyone in as Hispanic Latino works to their detriment, actually. It's harder to understand a person when you're only trying to understand their ethnicity. That matters greatly. Now, I want to take a phone call before I go to break. I want to go to Sarah. Uh, Sarah, welcome to The Eric Erickson Show. Sorry to keep you waiting. (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's okay. Um, uh, well, before I say what I wanted to say, I want to I wanted to say that you're right, spot on, in what you just said about the Hispanic vote. And um, uh, Univision is the number one um, Hispanic channel that everybody watches, and the Univision News. And there's a uh, man there by the name of Jorge Ramos, oh, who yes. they constantly compare to Anderson Cooper. And um, uh, he hates Donald Trump because at one point Donald Trump had a press conference and he was disrespectful to Donald Trump. So Donald Trump told him to leave. And after that, he's been in in a campaign to, you know, to uh, just basically, you know, disparage his image and everything. Mm -hmm. But um, what I wanted to say was that while I am compassionate about the people that are coming uh, you know, from other countries, and I, and I realize that they are, you know, being victims as well in their country. But at the same time, uh, you know, how do we, how are we going to protect ourselves? Because none of these people are being vetted to know, uh, you know, their background, and, and if they've been in prison, and, and, and a lot of them, you know, they come with kids, and, and they can, you know, they Some of them use their kids uh, or some kids as shields to to be more sympathetic uh, towards us, you know, because they know that that we are a very uh, compassionate uh, nation and, and and we will help them regardless. But at the same time, we have to protect ourselves from that.
1: Sarah, I have to ask you a somewhat impertinent question here. Um, mm-hmm. based on you're talking about Univision and your accent, I'm presuming that you are of Hispanic descent.
2: Yes, I am. I
1: am, uh, uh from Puerto Rico. What? Um, no, no, no. The, the pollsters of the New York Times tell me if you're a woman from Puerto Rico, you want all of the illegal immigrants to come into this country and you vote Democrat. How, how can you defy what the pollsters of the New York Times are telling me you believe, Sarah? <laughs> no,
2: absolutely not. I mean the, the, they are generalizing. As a matter of fact, that's what Univision does all the time and that's why I I, I can't stand to watch it is because they constantly victimize us. You know, they put us there, and, and they tell us that we have the right. You know, when I say us, I mean like they put every Hispanic under the same umbrella and uh they and they constantly tell us that we have the right, that we have the right to be here, that we have uh regardless, you know, of your of your status. And um so uh, it's, it's, it's lies after lies and, and putting people against the Republican Party. And, and, you know, you have to really know the truth and everything before you actually uh, listen to these people. But it's very easy for, for, for people to just, you know, turn on the news and, and, and think that those are actually the news that they're watching.
1: Well look, I, I appreciate you saying that. And to answer your specific question here, this is part of the problem is the there are a lot of people. The Bill Malugan and Fox News says that the Border Patrol estimates five hundred thousand people uh did not go through Border Patrol that were they were able to come into the country based on um the, the night vision uh cameras and the heat-seeking cameras and stuff that they deploy. About five hundred thousand people have come in. We don't know where they are, they did not go to, to checkpoints. Uh, We don't know who those people are. They've stopped the highest number of people on terror watch lists this year coming into the country. Uh, And Malugan's point is that if they've stopped this many coming in who were on terror watch lists, how many of that 500,000 shouldn't be here? How many criminals? How many people? We don't know. And it's it's going to cause more problems. And this is something the Democrats miss altogether on the issue is – We have a national security issue here. We have a criminal justice issue here. Let me see. I think I put this tweet in the show notes uh, for today. If you text data to 33777, you can get it. Here we go. Uh, This is from Bill Malugan at Fox News. The uh, Customs and Border Patrol reports there were 12 arrests of individuals on the FBI's terror watch list at the border in August, bringing the total to 78 so far. That is triple the previous five years combined. As a reminder, multiple Customs Border Patrol sources tell us there have been more than 900,000 known gotaways who have evaded capture at the border since the beginning of fiscal year 21, including well over 500,000 so far in fiscal year 22. They're seen on cameras, sensors, and recorded, but there's not enough manpower to get them. 78 people in fiscal year 22 who are on the terror watch list have been detained. And you can think, well, my gosh, I'm glad they caught them, except there have been 900,000 total people who've crossed the border. We don't know how many on the terror watch list were in that group because we don't know who those people are and we don't know where they went. Thanks, Joe Biden. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. You can always find me on social media at E.W. Erickson. You should, well, you should check me out at Instagram, by the way. E.W. Erickson on Instagram. Uh, This hour of the program is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. If you want to check them out, uh, get large access loans to uh, grow your company, Reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com. $750,000 or more is for companies, not individuals, firstlibertyga.com. Now, those of you who are on the phones, all of you, please be patient here because I don't have a ton of time right now. Um, I ran long in the last segment, and I want to do justice to all of your phone calls um particularly uh michael if you're listening to me please hang on i promise when we get back from commercial break i want to take your phone call on political ads i'm actually fascinated by political ads i used to study them when i was a campaign consultant i used to make political ads and i find this new ad one of the funniest ones it is running up in uh massachusetts about the martha's vineyard situation The fight for racial equity unites everyone on Martha's Vineyard. That's why Islanders were so welcoming when Florida
0: Governor Ron DeSantis sent migrants to diversify Martha's Vineyard and bring some equity to America's most exclusive enclave. But then Governor Charlie Baker sent in the National Guard to whisk away these immigrants and remove them from the island. That's wrong and it's not fair. Call Governor Baker, tell Baker to stop removing migrants from Martha's Vineyard and demand Florida send more instead.
1: Well done. I, I, I don't know which group did that, but I think that's fantastic. Well done. I'm waiting for the GOP to turn the ads on John Fetterman. Uh, this is his latest. Please welcome these experts. We have copies of this report and um, I, I hope that it could lead to a conversation that would free close to 1200 people of a legacy that never made sense. That. Encompasses victims' input, encompasses their conduct and behavior in prison, and takes a look at the, the resources that are wasted on that. The most important of them are people that could be contributing and being returned back to their family. What he's talking about is individuals charged with second-degree murder. More video has surfaced of him also defending sanctuary city policies. Um, This is why suddenly the polling in Pennsylvania has drawn very, very close as the Republicans focus on crime. When we come back, I want to take phone calls, 877-973-7425. Then we got to talk about Joe Biden at the United Nations today. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Time to make the call screener work and take the phone calls. (laughs) Let's go to Michael. You're gonna be up next, Michael. Welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Eric, great show as usual. Thanks for having me on. Just a, uh, I don't know, a little bit of perspective here and I'm I'm looking for it from you maybe. Let me give you some context there's a highly publicized trial involving a a public radio figure going on right now. And the defense in that trial is saying, well, yeah, we made those untrue statements, but it really didn't matter. And so the prosecution has done a good job of bringing in marketing experts that says, yeah, actually it does matter. Because if you play the same uh, lies over and over again, people start to believe them because they don't do opposition research. So is that what's happening with the current political ad climate? I just don't see the Republicans kicking it in like uh, the Democrats are.
1: Yeah. yeah okay. So we, we can say this is I'm, I'm, you're talking about the Alex Jones stuff and in, in the Newtown right. things. Um, I, I hope the man loses everything. I, I, I hate to root against people, but what an awful, awful thing that he did. Um, oh, I agree.
0: Totally and, agree. I'm just and, looking at the, uh, the observations yeah. from the market. People. Right.
1: And well, and, and, you know, I mean, for example, Stacey Abrams here in Georgia is running an ad. Uh, the, even the, the liberal fact checkers have said it's not true. I mean, it was so egregious. Even the, the, the lefties who run the fact checking sites had to call her out on it, saying that Brian Kemp will prosecute women who had miscarriages, which isn't true. Some people will believe these things. Uh, That's the way it always works. People will believe lies if told enough. One of the ironies of the Democrats doing this right now is that for four years with Donald Trump, they screamed constantly that he was a liar and and the lies. People were going to believe the lies and he was betraying people by saying the lies and here they come do it. Uh, This stuff really does ultimately persuade some people people believe it's true. Look at, for example, here's a great example. Uh, because oftentimes the lie is actually wrapped inside of a truth. Raphael Warnock in Georgia is running some ads like, I mean, I'm looking at the ads, I'm like, dang, that's gonna leave a mark. Raphael Warnock is running ads against Herschel Walker. The ads show zoomed in video interview. Of Herschel Walker's ex wife talking about the abuse she suffered at Herschel Walker's hands. She's right there in black and white on the camera, zoomed in, talking about him holding a gun to her head, the abuse. And it's true. Herschel Walker did those things. But what Raphael Warnock, and this is where the lie is wrapped inside the truth, it's true. She said those things. She gave that interview. Walker admits to those things. She zoomed in on the camera. If you actually watch the original interview, she's not. Sitting next to her is Herschel Walker. Huh? Well, the interview was done to build awareness about mental health struggles. Herschel Walker suffered from multiple personality disorder and got treatment, has been in treatment, has fought back against mental health, and sat with his ex wife, who he had abused, in order to raise awareness about mental health struggles and try to destigmatize the mental health struggles that people have gone through by talking about his own struggles in the past. The Reverend, Reverend Raphael Warnock has left out that context, has left out what Herschel Walker and his ex wife were trying to do which was to destigmatize mental health. I know a lot of women, conservative women in my church who are creeped out by those ads and don't really wanna vote for Herschel Walker. And when I've explained to them that actually, let me show you the original and show them, Herschel Walker with his wife, not zoomed in, or with his ex-wife, not zoomed in, sitting there talking to a CBS News 60 Minutes reporter about mental health challenges, puts it in a whole new light. Oh, why is the Reverend holding this against a man who's fought why is the reverend holding this against Herschel walker shouldn't the reverend be the one to show grace and forgiveness to a man who has overcome these struggles well if he were a christian reverend he would Marshall Walker even wrote a book on his mental health struggles trying to raise awareness. The deep irony here is that Democrats, more than Republicans over the last number of years, have been the most vocal about uh, destigmatizing mental health. Along comes a candidate for office who has worked with Democrats to destigmatize mental health, but he's running as a Republican. And the right Reverend Warnock, among others, is out there trying to stigmatize the mental health issues again just to win the election. Shows you how deeply cynical they are in their positions. And I just got to say, if Raphael Warnock is a reverend of Jesus Christ of the Bible, he needs to repent. Now, let's go back to the phones. Marcus, you're going to be up next. Welcome to The Eric Erickson Show, Marcus.
0: Yeah, hi, Eric. Um, I was doing a little studying this weekend, looking on the Internet, and was trying to look at the number of mass shootings and when they've occurred. And the key date that I came up with with was where things started to spiral out of control was 1993. Do you know what happened in 1993? What? The Internet became readily available to everybody. In 93, Yeah, that's when it really became available to the general public, according to the articles I read. Um, And, you know, that hasn't changed really the access to weapons or anything. That That hasn't changed at all over the years. Um, But with the the free publicity of doing something, you know, a heinous crime like going on a mass shooting – I think that's a motivating factor for a lot of people and why they do this, the
1: publicity. Look, I, I, yeah, the publicity, absolutely. This is why there's been this trend in the media over time to stop talking about the names and stop trying to give the names of the shooters. I, I've tried to do it here because there actually is some data to suggest this. Now, I, I would say, Marcus, to some degree, uh, the internet as we know today was not available in 1993. Uh, on April 30th, 1993, uh, Tim Berners-Lee Uh, was able to develop the very first browser that he dubbed the World Wide Web so people could access it, but you actually had to, at the time, subscribe to things like America Online and Prodigy and CompuServe, and it was all on dial-up. It was very, very slow. Uh, It wasn't the World Wide Web or the Internet as we know it today. That came, but that really started to come in the late 90s, 97, 98, really into 2000, it became something you could access in libraries and college campuses, became more available in homes thereafter, but still a lot of it on dial-up. We didn't have high-speed internet at the time. But over time, absolutely, to your point and and to your credit for pointing it out, yes, publicity has mattered greatly on these shootings. And typically it does Is younger white men who have uh, emotionally traumatized family relationships, destabilized, And they're acting out, Uh, they want to become famous in some way, and they decide to go kill a group of people. And what frustrates me to no end, this goes back to the, the mental health issue, is that we're really dealing with a mental health problem, and Democrats have decided to treat it as a gun control problem. You can't put that genie back in the bottle in this country. You can't put the genie back in the bottle in large part because you're not going to round up all those guns. When you listen to Democratic proposals, it's always about what they call assault weapons. Essentially, they're spooky-looking guns is how they frame it. They see a gun. It looks spooky to them. They want to round it up. Well, what about the handguns? Columbine happened after the assault weapons ban in the 1990s. Those... Boys used shotguns and handguns. No legislative proposal, other than the far fringe ones that'll never even get consensus among Democrats, have called for banning shotguns and handguns. Some of the proposals essentially want you to only be able to use three or four bullets, but those in and of themselves um, come from, stem from mental health issues. And right now the Democrats are out there trying to stigmatize a guy who tried to raise awareness about mental health in his campaign. Uh, For the U.S. Senate, they want to stigmatize him for his past sins. They want to define the man by his worst days. That he has sought to overcome we should be celebrating the fact that herschel walker decided to tell the story of his mental health struggles to provide encouragement and help for other people instead of stigmatizing him for them but that's what the reverend raphael warnock wants to do in order to save his power in washington dc kind of sick back to the phones linda you're going to be up next welcome to the show linda how are
3: you i'm doing good this, uh, this question, it is immigration related All and right. I'm keying on something I heard on, it, it was on the Hannity show yesterday. It was a brief reference to a Supreme court decision that came down during the Obama years. And it was described as well, you know, this stripped governors of any power they might've had to, uh, to deport people to their home comp, uh, countries. Um, which is probably a really simplified version of whatever it said. I was wondering if you were familiar with that decision and how it's written, because it seems to me that partly depending on how it's written, uh, that logically if, well, governors can't do that because that interferes with federal exercise of do whatever, uh, that if the feds are overtly, deciding we're not going to do this, 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 that the powers that they're abrogate are abandoning would revert back to the states. And the co- governors really could, under probably narrow circumstances, deport some people to their home countries.
1: Yeah, uh, this is a great question, Linda. And it does come down to both the Constitution and the Supreme Court. So, for example, uh, there's a Supreme uh, – There, there. Uh, let me just go to Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution – Article 1, Section 8, uh, Clause 3, uh, the Congress has the power to establish a uniform rule of naturalization. Uh, The Congress also uh, within there has the power uh, to make rules concerning the capture of land, to provide for the immigration into the United States uh, and uh, they have to provide the um, They've got to provide, now I'm just kind of winging it here, looking down, trying to find it into Section 10 here. Um, they've got to be able to provide for arms to defend states under invasion. According to the Supreme Court, uh, border and naturalization and the defense of states and invasion are federal powers. Congress has passed a law essentially preempting state governments from being able to do anything without federal consent. Donald Trump gave states consent to be able to secure the borders and provided aid to help them. Joe Biden, when he became office, reversed those executive orders and said it's all going to be on the federal government and then refused to do anything about all the border crossings. The problem we have at this moment is because Joe Biden himself decided to undo Everything. Joe Biden himself decided to undo uh, the executive orders that Donald Trump put in place. And so Joe Biden has exacerbated the problems when it comes to defending the territorial integrity of our southern border states. Because under the Constitution, the Congress and the president, it's their role to do this. And should they choose not to do it? There's only a limited amount of things that the states themselves can do. States of this nation do not have immigration power, so they don't have deportation power. That's all of the federal government, and the Supreme Court has amplified that. The Congress has amplified that, and Joe Biden is taking advantage of that to manufacture a crisis so that other Democrats don't have to let it go to waste. Sound familiar? One of the ways you can push back on this is to take your business to Patriot Mobile. I'm not kidding here, folks. They take a portion of their profits, and they give it to the conservative movement, including that portion of the conservative movement that fights for secure borders. All you do is you take your cell phone service to them. They give you guaranteed great service. They use the same cell towers everybody else uses. Uh, So you get great service. You can bring your phone number to them, or you can get a brand-new phone number from them, whichever you want. And you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric to do it. You get free activation with my name, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Or you can call them, 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT. You tell them I sent you. You get free activation. And again, they take a portion of the profits you help them generate, and they give it to the causes you care about. Uh, The immigration cause uh, for strong and secure borders, the veterans cause, the First Amendment cause, the pro-life cause, the Second Amendment cause, uh, for gun rights, uh, for life. Four Americans, four conservatives, they've been helping candidates in elections. Uh, They've tried it out uh, last year in local elections. 11 out of 11 they won, and now they're working around the country helping conservatives take back school boards and the like. You can join up with Patriot Mobile, partner with them. You get guaranteed great service, patriotmobile.com slash Eric. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. We're getting a lot of Michaels today. Going to go to another one. Michael, welcome. How are you?
0: Doing good, good. Yourself? Doing well. Good. So I'm, I'm what's called an E2 business visa holder. So basically, I sold everything I had in England, moved to the U.S., started my own business, Employed Americans, I've got all these criteria to hit. If I don't hit them, I don't get my visa renewed, and I get deported out of the country. Which is, and you know, like the hashtag Dreamer thing a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, me and me and my family fall into the category of hashtag Can't Dream. And it's just it it frustrates me that the fact that you know you come over the border, and granted you're not coming from the greatest places on the planet. But you come over the border, and here you go, come and live in America. And yeah, there's me. You know, I'm employing Americans. I'm making good business. Um, I'm giving the staff good money. But yeah, it's just it's just a frustrating situation to be in. That there's 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 no end game for me. Every five years, I've got to leave the country to renew my visa.
1: Good grief! And you know, I, I, so I'm glad you called in here, Michael, on this one because this is. Uh, My frustrating part overall on this is there's no common sense, it seems in the immigration system that we have right now. It's extremely hard for people to come here legally. You come here, you make a living, you, your family settles down. Uh, we need the workers. We we clearly have um, issues with labor shortages in this country. And yet, uh, guys like you who come here, bust your ass, you, you get people jobs, you build a business, you gotta go home uh, every five years and and go through this process, you know, it, it is mind-numbing to me that we subject people to this. I, I support legal immigration, but my gosh, we should be able to make it uh, so much better and easier for hardworking people to come to this country who wanna make a living and also to provide jobs for other Americans. Um, I, I I hate it for you I, and it's gotta frustrate you to no end to see this massive pile of people who just come across the border and just walk in.
0: Oh, it does, it kills me, absolutely kills me. Uh, I just wish there was an easier way to do, to do to sort out immigration. I mean, Australia's got a very good system. Um, the UK, I think, is slowly changing theirs to, to this method of thinking, the Australian way. But, but yeah, here, I mean, it is. I, I've travelled. I've lived in the Middle East. I've lived in Europe, in other countries in Europe and America. To me, is the best country on the planet. I lived in in Dubai, and that's fabulous. But this is this is far better. So when were you in Dubai? I was there from 2002 to about 2005. I think it was working for uh, Emirates.
1: Way, way after I lived there. I, I was there in the eighties when, when none of that stuff was there. And, and I'm dying to go back at some point. I want to take my wife and kids and show them where I grew up. Um, what a place, I, but it, it got
0: to the point with me where things were just becoming crazy over there. So I was like, yeah, when the price of milk had gone up drastically Um, I was just like, yeah, it's time to leave. Although the police running around in Bugatti Veyrons was kind of fun to see. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it really is. When I was a (laughs) kid, the dump trucks and the garbage trucks were Mercedes. I got to leave you there because I'm out of time. But, Michael, thanks so much for calling in. Folks, there's got to be a better way. The problem is the Democrats benefit from a broken system. Uh, At least they think so. But what the polling actually suggests is that Hispanic voters in this country... As far as we can pull them together, overwhelmingly, you're kind of turned off by what's happening because all of those people who came here legally are now seeing this and thinking, hey, we did what we were supposed to do. Why are we letting all these people come in? It's not helping the Democrats like they thought it would.